As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I think a lot of people go and just start a business without really thinking through it. They think that it makes sense to them, so it's going to make sense to everybody else. And I think it could be a really fatal flaw. It's a very expensive mistake to make. Looking back, one of the most important pieces of advice I got was to build your own board. And what I mean by that is have a board of directors for yourself. You can have a best friend on it, but you also need to have various different kinds of professionals on it to give you a reality check and to guide you through it. Somebody that's very astute with media. If you're in fashion, somebody with fashion, people to really call you out on what your project is and help you vet it so that you don't pour your whole life into it and pour tons of money into it without it being something very viable. Stephanie Capuano joining me this week on Bucket List Careers, the podcast. I'm Crystal Laurie. Thanks for listening. After more than 15 years in PR for pharma, fashion, and beauty sectors in New York, San Francisco, and London, Stephanie's crafted a dream gig that's as multifaceted, I would say, as she is. She's not only a teen skincare entrepreneur, a CEO and founder of clean beauty startup 31st State, but also a partner in And3, a boutique travel company specializing in the ultimate African safari. Stephanie says both allow for a huge expression of creativity, and she's a firm believer in not having a single focus in life, but rather a variety of pursuits to challenge your thinking and way of doing things. I like that. Speaking of which, 31st State is the result of a void Stephanie saw in the market for grooming products for teen boys and young men, Gen Z. 
when her boys became teenagers, she said there was nothing out there skincare-wise, clean and chemical-free, and also cool enough for them to be on board with. I think Stephanie has a worldly and yet relaxed lens that you'll enjoy while you hear about her journey. She named her company 31st State after California, where she grew up, which she says is a place, yes, but also a state of mind, a way of doing things that's a little more natural, she says, where we all untry, quote unquote, harder. Stephanie has tried to bottle that ethos and way of life in everything that she does, and it seems to be working for her. All right, let's listen. Welcome, Stephanie, recording all the way from London. We so appreciate you coming on the podcast and making the time. Thank you. So happy to be here. I am thrilled. We started following you on social media and your narrative is so multi-layered because I really do think you are a multi-talented person who has landed in this entrepreneurial space where it really lights you up, but it, it is a journey and we want to go through that on the podcast. So what I like to do is start by digging into where you were professionally before your big pivot. And I know that was in pharmaceutical PR. We want to talk about what was working for you and then what wasn't. So if we kick off there, tell me why. Why pharmaceutical PR to begin with? Sure, sure. It was completely by chance that I ended up doing pharmaceutical PR. You know, when you're in college or high school, you certainly don't think, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to do pharmaceutical PR, biotech. <laughs> it's quite niche. I really fell into it because I was studying museum management, actually. I wanted to run museums, the admin behind museums. And I was working in Washington, D.C. for the National Building Museum, which is a beautiful building in D.C. And it was all about the architecture and history of architecture of D.C. But it paid nothing. So I had to get, quote unquote, a real job and had to start paying for my life. Yeah. Started interviewing at PR agencies. And it just turned out that the position they had available was in their healthcare group. And it was a great salary for being 24 years old. And I thought, all right, we'll just get in the door and let's just see where it goes. And I can always pivot within the agency and do something else. I went on to do pharmaceutical PR for 12 years. For 12 years? Okay, well, that's a significant part of your evolution. And I know you were working on complex drugs for breast cancer and AIDS. Rewarding work, without a doubt, but very different than what you're doing now, launching products for teen grooming. So let's talk about how your past professional life, if you will, got you prepared to make this pivot because you were clearly able to transfer skills. It's sort of interesting because when people set, when people realize what I used to do in my past life, they're like, oh, you surely knew how to make products from your life working in, in pharmaceuticals. And I was like, well, I never made the products. All I did was promote them. And I prepared the people that worked for the companies to talk to the media about these new products. So like you mentioned, we launched a breast cancer drug called Herceptin. We worked on an AIDS drug for another company, really kind of heady pharmaceuticals. And what we did is we made that information about the drugs transferable to the public. We basically translated it into language that you or I could understand if we picked up the New York Times and read about a new product launch. Equally, mm. we train CEOs and doctors to talk about it in really layman's terms. What I learned and where it was so transferable was A, navigating the system of ingredients, of learning about ingredients, sure. but also being able to take all that sort of more technical information and package it in a way that consumers can understand. So for us now with this new skincare line, 
we're marketing to moms about their teenage boys' wellness and skincare and healthcare. And so it's taking more technical information about the skincare and packaging it to moms so that they understand why it's important for their boys to be using these products. You know, I want to dig into the marketing obstacles a little bit later, because I do think that that is interesting. I thought, how do you market to teen boys, right? Before we get there, I do want to talk a little bit more about your background, because it's so interesting. I mean, I know you briefly worked for a Nigerian British fashion designer, and that was an important milestone for you. And I did want to touch on this because it has an extra layer to it. And I'm going to read your quote here. It gave you a deeper appreciation for fashion. And understanding of the blurred lines between fashion and our culture, consumption habits, beauty, and even personal care. So I want to get into that. And also, you've been a partner in a safari company for, it sounds like you've been doing that for 15 years now. So how does all of that tie into who you've become professionally? Well, gosh, it's many layers, as you said, but I like to think it makes me a better professional and a sort of more interesting professional because I have all these different passions that aren't just the immediate business. And what I do really believe wholeheartedly is like you just relayed in this past quote is I think there is such an intersection between all the parts of our life and our wellness. So with fashion, what I was talking about there is, you know, we have a culture of teens now, Gen Z, that are so focused on, I mean, not only their appearance, but how it's curated publicly. They're the first generation that is truly 100% digital natives. Interesting. And they have lived their entire lives online and curated that image. And so it's a very image-led generation. And fashion is a huge part of that. And they're very aware of, of the brands they wear. They're very focused. They buy luxury goods. Like I didn't buy, well, I bought Jordache. That to me was, my, <laughs> I spent my whole allowance on Jordache. Totally remember jeans. those jeans. You had to have Jordache. Exactly. And then it was guests and what have you. But yeah, go on, go on. We, we digress. Yeah. Your whole back to school <laughs> budget would go on one pair of jeans because that, I had to have that luxury label. And it's no different for these kids is that they are saving and they're buying and selling and they're saving so that they can buy designer products. What we found was interesting in all of our focus groups is that that didn't end at what they put on their bodies. It wasn't just the fashion. It was also what skincare they were using. And that wasn't limited to just girls. Boys care too. So that's why we were really focused on creating a brand that was more design-led and a little more stylish and a little more aspirational than what was on the market for teenage boys. Right. Well, we can talk about creating 31st Date. I want to just mention again, California-inspired natural skin, hair, and body products, which I love this concept. But you say it was out of a genuine need for boys of a certain age, which I can attest to experiencing the struggle with my son, Colin, who at 14 was using his sister's things. And you even say on your website, stop stealing your sister's face wash. (laughs) So talk about your white space analysis there. How'd you come up with it? Well, it's funny when you talk about this, you know, the kids stealing their sister's products. I was at a friend's house in Bronxville, actually. And her son said to me, oh, Steph, I just took a shower and your products were in the shower. And it was so awesome to have something for myself because I look at my sister's stuff in the shower and there are like 30 bottles of lotions and potions. And there was like nothing for me. And so it's really cool that I have something for myself now, which was really a nice testament. And what I think that in a nutshell was it is that there's so much on the market for in the clean beauty space for girls, 
for toddlers, for babies, for women, for men. But there really was nothing in the clean beauty space on the market for teenage boys when I launched this. And that was the white space is that everybody was focusing much more on healthier products. We're taking the chemicals out of our food, our household cleaning products, our own skincare. And yet when it came to our teenage boys, we cared more what we were putting on our floor than what they were putting on their bodies. And that really struck me. So I had two teenage boys that were just entering the grooming market. They were 13 and 14, one of them going off to boarding school. And of course he broke out like the week before. Right, and you kind of lose control when they leave the home, right? So he's there, he doesn't have you to turn to. Like you said, I mean, it's not only about the marketing, but just the products themselves. I think that my son felt were just seemed overly feminine in terms of the branding. And then you're taking it even a step further in terms of it being more natural. Talk to me about marketing to this group, the challenge there, because teen boys don't necessarily buy for themselves, do they? That's exactly right. So one thing that was very interesting for us when we launched the brand, we hired a young design agency. And I think the eldest person on the design team was 30 years old. And it was like five guys basically in a garage in East London. And they had no experience in designing beauty, but they had done a lot of work for Beats, you know, the headphones, Adidas shoes. They design football jerseys for one of the professional football teams here, soccer teams. So all these brands that are really relevant to young guys. And we loved them because we felt like they could design something that our boys would want to pick up that was just different from what was on the shelf and what was made for their dads or their sisters, their moms. So with that in mind, we thought we were marketing to the boys, the guys. So in the first year, all of our Instagram was kind of geared toward them. And we were really trying to get sort of young influencers talking about it including my own boys. And what we learned very quickly is that it is a cohort of the population that does not like in general to talk about their own grooming. Boys don't want to go on Instagram and turn the camera on themselves and talk (laughs) about their deodorant. Yeah, that totally rings true. I couldn't get your son to do that. I could pay an influencer $20,000 to do it. But most teenage boys don't want to talk about themselves online in that way. And so we just weren't making headway. And then what we saw with our sales, it was the moms buying it. So we made a really fast pivot after the first year and really started focusing more on the moms and tapping into what we care most about, which is our boys' well-being. That is the root of all of it, is that their skin, their outward appearance is so much part. It's so holistic. It's so much part of who they are holistically, that's what we talk to them about now is how a really good skincare routine fits into their overall wellness and how if you get that nailed at an early age, they can really present a more confident version of themselves as they go through all these changes. So the mom is our purchaser. She's the one we want to talk to. She's the one nine times out of 10 making the household purchasing decisions So as much as we are crazy about teenage boys, they don't want to hear from us and they don't want to talk to us and they're not going to spend their money on us. No, it makes a lot of sense for sure. You know, as you're talking and getting into the ideas behind your products, I really sense that this lights you up, which is what this show is about. Not just the pivots and how you got there, but dream gigs and why you feel like this is your bucket list career. Tell me why this is most meaningful for you at this stage, having been in different industries and being a different person throughout. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say I do light up when I do this, but you know, as you mentioned earlier, I do have another business. I have a safari company that I'm so passionate about and it really drives in me 
this bigger creativity. It's such a, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Africa, it's one of the most spiritual places on the planet. On my list. That's Three Collective, your company. Three Collective, exactly. And one of my partners lives up the road from you in Bedford. Yeah. <laughs> Small world. I know. So I was doing that before I was doing this. But I still do it and I love it and I love what I'm able to introduce people to and how it transforms their lives. But it does spur a lot of creativity in other parts of my life, including this. And I think what lights me up about this business is this one I made for my teenage boys. The part that gets me really lit up is at the root of it, it it's for them. And it makes boys feel better about themselves. And they're confident overlooked demographic in our society. Yeah. And I think that's what brings me such joy is to be able to talk about a demographic that can be quite a fraught demographic. I think the stereotypes of teenage boys aren't always the best. It's a lot of suffering amongst teenage boys, both about their outward appearance, but their mental health. And I like to think that this product brings some remedy to all of that, or at the very least, just illuminates a really important cohort of our population. And then on a very basic level, I've had a blast developing the products, working with formulators and chemists, and then figuring out how to market it. It's a challenge every day, but it's been so rewarding. I can also tell that you like to learn and you're you're growing with each step. We always like to provide listener takeaways as we get towards the end of the podcast, advice for pivot seekers who are on a journey like you, but based on your journey, you know, actionable steps to yeah. finding professional yeah. purpose. So what do you think is key if you can give some advice? Well, I think advice would be like listening to things like this. I think hearing other women talk about their journeys is probably the, one of the most inspirational things you can do because as women and those of us who raised kids and some of us stayed home and raised kids or stepped out of our careers for a while, it takes so much to get back to something, to find how to re-enter that part of the world. And to re-enter with something that really fuels you. Exactly. Listening to things like this certainly is a way to be inspired. But in terms of starting something, I feel like if you have an idea, I think a lot of people go and just start a business without really thinking through it. They think that it makes sense to them, so it's going to make sense to everybody else. And I think it could be a really fatal flaw. It's a very expensive mistake to make. Looking back, one of the most important pieces of advice I got was to build your own board. And what I mean by that is have a board of directors for yourself. You can have a best friend on it, but you also need to have various different kinds of professionals on it to give you a reality check and to guide you through it. Somebody that's very astute with media. If you're in fashion, somebody with fashion, people to really call you out on what your project is and help you vet it so that you don't pour your whole life into it and pour tons of money into it without it being something very viable. I think also that board of direct, your personal board of directors also becomes your biggest source of cheerleading along the way. You need cheerleaders along the way. It's so valuable. Yeah. You know, that is really great because I get sometimes some trite advice and takeaways. I really feel like that is a, uh, that is a really smart way to approach becoming a founder, launching, and as you said, planning properly, and of course the resilience. So what do you attribute your strength to? in terms of being able to get through roadblocks? How do you navigate that? You know, I mean, and sometimes it's a person or maybe it's something that you feel from childhood that served you in this realm. My immediate thought when you said that was like, oh, my husband, I mean, he's my greatest supporter. He's just incredible. And my kids, they're proud of me. They make me feel great every day that I've undertaken this journey. 
But it's interesting because when I really think about it, I think about my mom, who I was very close with growing up, but she, I had been working on this brand for about three years. It took about three years to get it to market. And two days before it launched, my mother died unexpectedly. It was very tragic and our whole family was complete upheaval. I look back, I mean, first of all, I don't even know how I got through that time. I had some great team members that got this show on the road. But I think a lot about that time that my mom, even though she's not here, really was and continues to be a source of strength for me. I know she was really proud of me to see me get come kind of reemerge out of motherhood after putting my career on hold. Right. And was she able to do that? Did she ever do anything like that? Or were you maybe doing something that she wasn't able to achieve? You know what? She didn't get uh-huh. to do that. She right. it was a time right. when they didn't. She was a very intellectual woman. She was a teacher and one of the most curious women any of us have ever known. And sign of the times, you know, she married my dad, she raised us and she did great things in our community. But she never went back into the workforce. And I think that was one of her biggest regrets, why she was always encouraging us, especially the girls in our family, to always keep something for ourselves. you know, keep something professionally that really inspires you outside the home. Because as much as we love our kids and we love our husbands and being able to create a warm, safe environment for our kids, you have to be fulfilled yourself. 100%. To do that successfully for your kids. So to me, that was, she really inspires me to always keep something for myself in that way. You know what you're doing? You're taking her legacy one step further. Yeah. Making her proud. Stephanie, thank you so much for doing this. I really enjoyed going through your story and the wisdom that you shared with us. Absolutely amazing to have you on the podcast. So thank you Uh again for joining me. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Oh, before we go, I do want to send people to 31st State. Sure thing. The website is www.31st-state.com. On Instagram, it's at 31st State. The best place to buy is our website. We are on shelf with some other retailers in the U.S. We're on Amazon, obviously. We're with uh-huh. Safe and Chic and Salt and Snow, a new retailer in New York. And Oh, I just ordered from Safe and Chic. Great. It's a really beautiful yeah. product. So glad we did this. I'm going to have Colin check these products out for sure. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks. Take care, Krista. Thanks for listening and so glad that you are kicking off 2023 with me and Bucket List Careers. We appreciate you being part of our community and, of course, for being a loyal listener. Be sure to write me a review or DM me any ideas that you might want to share that you think will boost the podcast. All right. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. In the meantime, be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcast. Yes.